Hello, and welcome to the Sunday Sermon Cast from Bethel Evangelical Free Church on Washington Island, Wisconsin. I'm Rick Smith, and I've been here at Bethel since 2016, enjoying this great church on this spectacular place off the northern tip of Door County, Wisconsin. This message comes from our Sunday morning service here on the island, and it's geared towards discovering what the Bible has to say to us in our everyday lives. So, God's blessing on you, and thanks for joining with us wherever you are today. Well, some of us at different points in our lives have had some interaction with the law and with the court system, and and uh, some have been there as as witnesses, some have been there as jurists, and and all and and all kinds of things happen when courts. My father was a trial attorney, and my sister is an attorney as well, and and uh, you just hear all kinds of stories and different things that happen. Well, uh, there's a, some actual answers here that were given in courts, which were maybe not the the brightest moments in the court's history. Uh, once a lawyer said to a, a lady, Now, Mrs. Johnson, how was your first marriage terminated? And uh, Mrs. Johnson answered, By death. And then the lawyer said, And by whose death was it terminated? Probably my husband's. <laughs> uh, the lawyer asked at one point, What gear were you in when the car crashed? And the witness replied, A Nike t-shirt and Reebok trainers. Okay. Probably not the gear that she was talking about. Uh, well, the doctor asked, what happened then? Well, he told me, he says, I have to kill you because you can identify me. And the lawyer said, well, did he kill you? <laughs> to which the witness says, no, he did not kill me. <laughs> and then finally, the last one, uh, um, uh, lawyer says, and lastly, Gary, all your responses must be oral, okay? Now, what school did you go to? The uh, witness said, oral. And the lawyer said, how old are you? Oral. <laughs> All right. Well, again, maybe not the brightest responses. Uh, the Apostle Paul, whose life we've been looking at over these many months and, and his ministry to uh, different peoples and places, finds himself in court having to defend himself often. And, and the answers he gives have to be a little bit more sharp than uh, these questions and answers from attorneys. I want to look at three cases today, or three times where he stands. The, the first two we're going to summarize, and the last look in detail. But when we have been looking at Paul's life and his ministry in the book of the Acts of the Apostle, we have seen him walking in all kinds of different places, getting in trouble lots. And, and what we saw happen last week, at the end of last week, we found him in the barracks under arrest again, having been rescued by a Roman garrison from the Sanhedrin, where there it seemed like they were going to tear him apart again. And 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 one of those nights he was in the barracks, the Lord Jesus came to him and said, Take courage, because as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you will testify about me in Rome. One of Paul's desires at, at some point had been to go to Rome and to be able to, to tell people about Jesus there, to help a church get, get started at the very center of the Roman Empire. And, and there is this promise from Jesus, you are going to be there. You are going to get there. Take courage. This is not going to last. And, and uh, well, what happens next? Uh, in the passage that follows this, uh, we hear of a plot, 40 people come to the leaders of the Jewish people and said, we have taken a vow that we will not eat or drink until Paul is dead. And so here's what we'd like you to do. Try and get him to come to the Sanhedrin tomorrow with a meeting and on the way we'll ambush him. 
and we will make sure that he does not live. And so they try to do that. And what happens is Paul's nephew hears about this. He's there in Jerusalem, and somehow he hears this plot, and he comes to his uncle Paul and says, hey, this is going to happen. And Paul directs him to go to one of the, the Roman leaders and tell them what's happening, and, and he hears about it, and they decide, okay, we need to do something. Here's this plot against our, our, our prisoner here, so we cannot do this. And so their plan then is to get him out of town. And it has all the, the look of a, of a mob scene from uh, any westerns that you may have watched or read. And, and they've got to get him out before they come and break him out and hang him. So what, are, what do they do? They, they send 270 soldiers with him and send him on the way to Caesarea, which is about 65 miles to the west. Right on the coast there, it's the center of government in that region. And, and so they send them off, uh, 200 uh, soldiers, 200 spearmen, and then 70 cavalry horsemen uh, uh, send them on his way. And they overnight in a, in a town, and then afterwards, the cavalry bring them the rest of the way, and the, the, the 200 soldiers head on their way back. They avoid that. And now they bring Paul's situation before the governor, of the entire region, Syria, up to a man named Felix. And the, what happens is that uh, they begin the trial again. And leaders of the Jewish people come and they, they begin to make the charges against Paul. These are the things that happen. This time, Ananias, the high priest, comes. And this is in chapter 24 of the book of Acts. And he comes with some of the elders as well as an attorney, a lawyer named Tertullus. Uh, probably hired, probably a Roman by by citizenship. He would have known how to, to approach the, the the Roman senator here, a man named Felix, who happens to be the the first governor ever to have risen from the ranks of being a slave. He was born into slavery and and uh, became the servant of a very prominent Roman official, and and with that rose up. But with him was very little scruples. He, uh, he didn't want to outright violate the law, and so he recognized those parts of it. But he also wanted to, to please the Jews if he could. But he hears this case, and the, the case is made, and, and uh, there are several charges made against Paul. The first is that he's a troublemaker. That's how the NIV puts it. Uh, other versions uh, say he is a plague or pestilence because that's what really the word means. He is a plague. He is something that is, is so bad for us. He's, he, having him here is bad and he's got to be getting rid of it. And, and here's what he's done. He stirred up riots in all kinds of different places. He has, he has become the ringleader of the Nazarene sect and he has tried to desecrate our temple. Um, each of these are serious charges. The last of them, desecrating a temple within the Roman Empire, would be punishable by death. Stirring up riots would be punishable by death. These are serious charges they make, and Paul needs to give a defense. And he does, and he says they have no witnesses, they have no proof, and, and Felix hears all this and, and recognizes, well, I can't just, there's nothing to, to prove here. So, so I'm accountable for all the things that happen here. So he does not find him guilty, but he doesn't release him. And he is interested in speaking with him and he comes to him several times and has him brought in. And uh, Luke, who writes the book of Acts, indicates to us that one of his desires is to get some bribes. Uh, in part of his defense, Paul said that he's come back to Jerusalem 
with a large gift for the people who were struggling. And they said, hey, maybe I can get part of this, this money. Uh, it doesn't happen. And two years passed by. Two years passed by. And he's still in prison or, and still in the house arrest in Caesarea. Nothing happens. And a new governor comes to town, a guy named Festus. And as Festus comes in, Felix again wanting to ingratiate himself and, 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 and be looked upon kindly by the, the Jewish leaders uh, does not release him, but keeps him there. And, and so now Festus comes into it. And Festus is the new governor. Part of his region is the, the city of Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, who is in charge? Uh, amongst other people, the Jewish leaders again. And it's been two years. He says, okay, what's going on? I'm, I'm the new governor. Uh, what are some of the things that are going on within our community? And they come to him and says, all right, here's, this is one of our urgent needs. There is a guy in Caesarea, and he needs to be put on trial, and he needs to be found guilty for the things he has done against our religion. And and Festus is like, oh, well, let's, let's take a look at it. And, and brings the entourage back to Caesarea. And so now we're in chapter 25 of, of Acts. And, and in verse 6, this is how it, it's described. After spending eight or ten days with them, this being in Jerusalem, he went down to Caesarea, and the next day he convened the court in order that Paul be brought before him. When Paul appeared, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood around him, bringing many serious charges against him, which they could not prove. And then Paul made his defense. I've done nothing wrong against the law of the Jews or against the temple or against Caesar. And Festus, wishing to do the Jews a favor, said to Paul, Are you willing to go up to Jerusalem and stand trial before me there on these charges? And Paul answered, I am now standing before Caesar's court, where I ought to be tried. I have not done any wrong to the Jews, as you yourself know very well. If, however, I am guilty of doing anything deserving death, I do not deserve to die. But if the charges brought against me by these Jews are not true, no one has the right to hand me over to them. I appeal to Caesar. And after Festus has conferred with his counsel, he declared, you have appealed to Caesar to Caesar you will go. Uh, Luke again indicates that as part of this negotiation with Festus, there was also another plot to kill him on the way from Caesarea to Jerusalem. If they could just get him to come, then he would never make it there alive. And, and so part of their plot is to, to, to get Festus, and Festus probably does not know about this plot but wanting to please the Jews, these prominent group of people within his community, said, well, are you willing to stand before me there in Jerusalem where the, the Sanhedrin is, where all these other people are? And, and, uh, and Paul makes his defense, I've not done anything wrong. You know it, I've not done anything wrong. I've not desecrated the temple. I've not done any of these things. And this is where I should be. And so I appeal to Caesar. And Paul could do that because he was a Roman citizen. And Roman citizens had rights that others who were not full citizens of the empire did have. And he could make this appeal. And so Festus now talks with his council and says, well, okay, everything seems to be in order. He is a citizen. This is uh, the circumstances of the case are right. Um, he's appealed. And so he will, he will go off to, to, to Caesar to be tried in his presence. And, and yet, Festus, pretty new on the scene, he's like, 
what, what do I, what do I write here? How do I, how do I take care of this? And, and he's, he's thinking this through, uh, King Agrippa and his sister, Bernice, come to visit him. Uh, he's the new governor, and uh, they want to honor him, and so they made this visit, and uh, they would be the king of the Jews. Again, uh, there's some familiarity in, in terms of what maybe you've heard about the Herods before and in the terms of the, the leadership of the, the Jewish people. Uh, Matt, as he talked about the, the Magi uh, several weeks ago in, in Matthew chapter 2, we see one of the Herods. And one of the particular things about them is, is there's this whole line of them that have been coming through. Uh, John Stott writes this, Herod Agrippa II, who this was, he was the son of Herod Agrippa I and the great-grandson of Herod the Great. Bernice was his sister. And uh, there's this dramatic moment uh, when this humble apostle, Jesus, humble apostle of Jesus Christ stood before this represented of the worldly, ambitious, morally corrupt family of the Herods who for gener generation after generation had set themselves in opposition to truth and righteousness. Uh, their founder, Herod the Great, had tried to destroy the infant Jesus. Uh, we get that story in Matthew chapter 2. His son Antipas, the Tetrarch of Galilee, beheaded John the Baptist and won the, from the Lord the title Fox. And his grandson Agrippa I slew James, the son of Zebedee, with the sword. And so now we see Paul brought before Agrippa's son. And uh, what, do we, what will happen here? Um, and with that, I'd like us to, to look at Acts chapter 26, and, and, and now the defense that, that Paul makes. And as we look at this defense, we're going to see him once again give his testimony of what God has done on his behalf, or how God has called him and the life he's lived, and, and why he finds himself in this place right now. And as, as we look at this, this is his last speech in, in the book of Acts. Some of the, the things to note is how he talks about life and faith and, and what's, what's truly most important. And so chapter 26, starting in verse 1. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. And so Paul motioned with his hand and began his defense. King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today as I make my defense against all the accusation of, accusations of the Jews, and especially so because you are well acquainted with all the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. The Jews all know the way I have lived ever since I was a child, from the beginning of my life in my own country and also in Jerusalem. They have known me for a long time and can testify, if they're willing, that according to the strictest sect of our religion, I lived as a Pharisee. And now it is because of my hope in what God has promised our fathers that I am on trial today. This is the promise our 12 tribes are hoping to see fulfilled as they earnestly serve God day and night. O king, it is because of this hope that the Jews are accusing me. Why should any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priest, I put many of the saints in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time I went from one synagogue to, an, to another to have them punished. And I tried to force them to blaspheme. 
In my obsession against them, I even went to foreign cities to persecute them. On one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. About noon, O king, I was on the road. I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Then I asked, Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen of me and what I will show you. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven, first to those in in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and to the Gentiles also. I preached that they should repent and turn to God and prove their repentance by their deeds. That is why the Jews seized me in the temple courts and tried to kill me. But I have had God's help to this very day. And so I stand here and testify to small and great alike. I'm saying nothing beyond what the, prophet, the prophets and, the Mo, and Moses said would happen, that the Christ would suffer and as the first to rise from the dead would proclaim light to his own people and to the Gentiles. At this point, Festus interrupted Paul's defense. You are out of your mind, Paul, he's, she shouted. Your great learning is driving you insane. I am not insane, most excellent Festus, Paul replied. What I'm saying is true and reasonable. The king is familiar with these things, and I can speak freely to him. I am convinced that none of this has escaped his notice because it was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. Then Agrippa said to Paul, Do you think that in such a short time you could persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul replied, Short time or long, I pray God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today, may become what I am, except for these chains. The king rose, and with him the governor and Bernice and those sitting with them. They left the room, and while talking with one another, they said, This man is not doing anything that deserves death or imprisonment. And Agrippa said to Festus, This man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. And so as we come to this last of these trials, this third of these trials here in Caesarea, Paul gives his strident defense about what he has done. He, he indicates, this is, this is who I am. These people know me. They knew where I grew up. They knew all the things about me. I was a Pharisee. They knew that. They knew that I was one of the people who pursued Christians and, and tried to get them to recant or to, to blaspheme so that we could take care of them, imprison them, or even kill them. They know this about me, but this happened. And he tells his testimony again, as he's done uh, several other times within uh, this text. The Lord Jesus came to me. This blinding light came to me. But what he does is he's giving his testimony here. And what he's done in other occasions is he is fashioning his testimony in a manner that those listening to him can hear it can understand what he's talking about. 
now talking with Agrippa in the presence of Festus. Festus would have been concerned with law and, and some of the Roman laws that were there. Uh, Agrippa would have had a little bit more familiarity with the Jewish customs and the things that have happened. He would have recognized and remembered that one of his predecessors down the line had a part in trying to kill all the children that were two years or younger, as Herod the Great had done. Festus would have recognized that one of his predecessors, Pontius Pilate, had a part 27 years before this of putting this Jesus, this Nazarene, to death. These are facts that they know about. And as, as Paul brings them in, he focuses as well on what the message is about. That the struggle with this is the resurrection. What do we do with this? People say it's not at all possible. And he says, if God exists, how he could... He could, he could certainly bring someone back to death. How, how could he not do that if he is God? This is not unreasonable. This is not insane. And, and, and then brings it to a head with Agrippa. And in bringing to a head with Agrippa, ask him, you, you know the prophets? And, and, and Agrippa is it's like, whoa, <laughs> you're putting me on the spot here. You think I'm going to change just in a couple minutes? And, and what he's, he does here is, is he says, Oh, King, I pray to God, I pray to God that, that not only you, but that everyone would come to know what I have come to know. That you would know that God loves you so much that the reason Jesus did what he did was so that you could be rescued as well. And his testimony talks about bringing the light to people so that they can know that they are forgiven from their sins. That repentance is something that they need to do as they respond to that. That this is a life change that's called, but it's completely within the direction of what God has planned all through the Moses and the prophets. This was God's plan. This was what God was doing, and I am just a part of that. He keeps the main thing the main thing, doesn't he? He gets to the place where he says, this is what you must respond to. This isn't just about me defending myself, but it's about you hearing this message. One of the things that we face in our world is, well, increasing opposition. Uh, there are many who who are increasingly uh, antagonistic towards those of faith in of many sorts, but uh, Christianity in particular. Uh, that their look and their view of of the church in particular is is not at all popular or or not at all worthwhile. Uh, a couple years ago, I was uh, my my aunt was was dating a man. Well, for a short time, as it turned out. And one of the things as we, we were talking about, he discovered I was in ministry. And, and his suggestion uh, was that the, the Christian Bible camps that circulate all, that are around all the country, that they pose as serious a national threat as the jihadist camps do in the Middle East. 
that the things that they were teaching and brainwashing these kids were was just as dangerous as the things that were happening in other places. And, and uh, as, as, as ludicrous as that sounds to us, because we who have been to some of these camps, we who have taught at some of these Bible camps, know that our care and direction for the students that are there is that, that they might know that God exists and that he loves them and, that, and there's salvation available. But for those on the outside, all they look at is, is stuff they don't understand. And this is their perspective. In other countries, it's even more formidable. Uh, the, the antagonism towards Christian faith is, is strident. Uh, there are many who, who forbid people to make any kind of conversion and, and think that those who believe in Jesus should just keep it to themselves. And we, too, may find ourselves in places where we have to make a defense. Now, there are, are great men, similar to Paul, who are, are making great strides and in, in arguing reasonably about what faith is all about. And some of the apologists who are out there and, and are able to articulate the truths of the faith as well as its consistency theologically as well as philosophically. Uh, there are men and women who are doing wonderful jobs with that, standing up for the faith. But for each of us, there are moments where we are the ones who are going to be asked about this. Why do you believe? Can you stand up for your belief? And will we do so? That's the call and the question for us. As we watch Paul go through these trials and see what happens within this world, we're going to have to make a stand. Where does our allegiance lie? Will we continue to be faithful in walking with the Lord Jesus? Will we, in the midst of those things, uh, trials, have a perspective that Paul models for us that while he's defending what he's done and the actions that have happened, he's also bringing a message to those who hear that they too might recognize their need of God, their need of forgiveness, and their need of restoration. David Garland in his uh, commentary uses this illustration. Uh, many of you have been on planes before, and, and you know that when you get on the plane, uh, before the plane takes off, uh, uh, the, the flight attendant gets in the front in the middle aisle and, and begins to instruct you on safety matters. And one of the things that they do is if there is a sudden drop in pressure, these, these masks will drop out from the bins in, um, above you. And the thing that you're supposed to do is put it on your head and... If there's people that are with you, children or those who can't take care of themselves, uh, you are not to take care of them first. Take care of yourself first. And now that you have been secured, you can help rescue these other people. And his illustration is a, that's, that's similar to where we're at. That each of us, as we face our life, as we face the things that we're going through, as we face our own mortality as we face our own 
sinfulness and selfishness and self-centeredness, we have a need. And the offer of salvation through Jesus, forgiveness is there for you. And the thing for each of us is to take that. And then as we take that, then we can help others. We can help rescue them from the situation that they're in. Because wherever you are, whatever circumstances you face, we represent God. In that first case, if you remember, Paul made his good defense. He did everything right. Two years he sat, not being able to be released, not being able to go as he pleased, not able to to head to Rome and then on to Spain as he indicated he wanted to. He was in a holding pattern. And yet still, his call was to be faithful. Sometimes things will not look good. Sometimes things will not seem just and right. What will we do? Will we continue to be faithful? Paul's model for us is wherever you are, wherever you are, you're God's man or woman in that place. And you have a message. A message to live and a message to tell. Will we tell that? That's a call for us. That we might be His people. Continuing to testify about Him wherever we go. Let's stand for closing prayer. Father, this day, uh, as we watch our brother from centuries ago walk through hard things, because he confessed his faith in you. And yet he did that courageously and boldly because he knew that you are who you are. You revealed yourself to him. And Lord, we'd ask that you would reveal yourself to us as well, that we might see you in, in each place in our lives, that your spirit might be moving in us, and that we too might take courage as he did to faithfully witness of you to faithfully, faithfully walk for you and with you, no matter where we find us, ourselves. Give us that strength, that courage, and that boldness to live faithfully for you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you this day. Well, thanks again for listening. And to learn more about how you can connect with Bethel Community Church, check out our website at islandbethelchurch.com or join us for a service Saturday night at 6 or Sunday morning at 1045. Hope to see you soon. God bless you.